0: To thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bacham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. So, what happens when you put in the time to walk into one profession only to realize That's not where you're meant to be, especially if maybe that's a place that took you a long time to get prepared, and maybe the new place is going to take you a long time to get prepared. Well, that's the case with my guest today. Morgan Oaks started out in mechanical engineering, and in the middle of that work realized that's not where he needed to be. He made a shift over to being a chiropractor, which took a lot more time and a lot more training and yet brings in that engineering of the spine, as we'll talk about. Along the way, though, he realized that there was something else that people needed. A lot of times people knew where they needed to go, but couldn't quite take the actions to get there. So today, we're going to talk about the three steps in order to find your synergy of success. Even if you think you might be at the wrong place and think maybe you even know where you need to be, how do you take that action? join me as I have a discussion with Dr. Morgan Oaks about the three steps to finding your synergy of success. Morgan, thanks for being here. I'm excited to talk about the synergy of success. And so before we get into that, though, before we talk about the synergy part, let's talk about the synergy of your life. How did you get to here? What, what pieces came together? Um, so just
1: tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to here. Yeah. Thanks, Lee. It's great to be on the show today. And yeah, my my path has definitely been a bit of meandering. And I think most people's are. And so I think it's really, really fitting. I you know I grew up in a small town in Wyoming. I loved mechanical things and was good at math and science. So I ended up a mechanical engineer and realized really quick, I didn't want to be stuck in a cubicle my whole life. So um, you know during that time period, I had also had a lot of great uh, results with sports injuries, Uh, and going to see chiropractors. And so I ended up transitioning and moving sideways and, and going back to chiropractic school and doing that. And when I was in chiropractic school, I really started realizing that there's so many different right answers, right? Everybody has a technique or a belief system within chiropractic that they think is the best. And it got me to really start thinking about, okay, what's What's at the heart of all these things? What's the, the key takeaway? What is the thing that they all have in common? And so then as I stepped out into, into private practice and, and started doing things, that also helped me kind of keep my eyes open to other forms of personal growth right? There were areas where I plateaued in my own, my own business growth and my own personal growth. And then I started reaching out for just other modalities, other ways to either help me accelerate where I wanted to accelerate, or to alleviate pain in some of those areas that that life wasn't going as good as it could be. And that opened up the whole realm of, you know, coaching and going to see a lot of speakers and a lot of other, you know, different forms of personal growth. And you know, as we fast forward over the last 15 years since chiropractic school got out, I guess 16 years now, um, it's led me on this path where I started doing a lot of speaking. Um, I got certified as a high-performance coach. I got certified in neurolinguistic programming. And there were all these other adjunct things that would help people, whether it was with their physical body, you know, mental health, you know, emotional health, relationships. And so I've just really for the last, you know, especially like 10 to 15 years dedicated myself to what are those ways that I can help empower people and help them really, you know, step in and start, you know, thriving, right. Mm -hmm. Especially Mm -hmm. that word on the show and, and just living their best life. So at this point I, you know, two days a week, I'm a chiropractor, Uh, three days a week I'm a, a coach and a speaker and have a podcast and, and all of it's really focused on how can I, you know, take the power and put it back in that person's hands and allow them to, to start creating and living the life that they most want. So I'm going to give you a bigger word than meandering. Yes.
0: Carl Jung talked about circumambulation. (laughs) Ooh, I love that one. Yeah, just tell people you've been circumambulating for a while, going around as you're walking and wandering. It's just a little longer.
1: Anything from uh, Jung, I'm typically going to listen. So I I like
0: that's the origin.
1: It sounds a little better than I meandered. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I I circumambulated for years. Yes. Uh, So I'm kind of curious, a couple of things. One, you said you had some success with sports injury, meaning you uh, had success getting injured (laughs) or you
1: had success recovering or helping. Yeah, good question. So eighth grade, I'm, uh, I'm on the, the front line for the kickoff return team, and they kick an onside you know, kick, and I'm the, I'm the guy that grabs it, and then all these big dudes hit me on top of my helmet. And I finish the game. It's about a 100-mile uh, bus ride home back to, to home after this game in Wyoming. And I get home, and I can't turn my neck left or right. Next morning, off to the chiropractor my dad had been seeing, and one adjustment, and either fortunately or, or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, right back to school, right back mm-hmm. to practice, and I just, it really helped through, you know, another five years of football, a decade of rugby, and so, yeah, that was kind of my introduction into, chiroprac- into chiropractic and, and the really positive results I've seen there.
0: Yeah. Yes, uh, fortunate or unfortunate, you, you recovered quickly. So it was you mastering your own injury.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Which also brings this interesting juxtaposition. Uh, you, so you were trained as a me- mechanical engineer, and then I noticed that, you know, chiropractors are mechanical engineers of the spine. Yeah. So you went from one, from, I mean, kind of the external to the organic uh, piece of getting things aligned and getting them where they're supposed to be to be stable.
1: Yeah, really great job connecting those dots because a lot of people think they're so, you know, separate that they don't tie that together. And I always tell people, everything that I learned in engineering school, we stole from nature, Mm -hmm. right? The three different types of fulcrums and all these things. So when it came to coming into the human body, um, to be honest, memorizing all the anatomical words and, and a lot of that was a lot of work for me, but understanding, comprehending, how the body was actually doing what it was doing came to me really, really natural. And I I think as I progressed, it's helped me see why all the techniques worked. It's helped me create some of my own. It's helped me not get stuck in a paradigm or a framework, but really look at the person in, in front of me and be able to see, oh, here's what's happening. There might not be a name for what we need to do, but here's what needs to happen.
0: You know, what's interesting to me is I've met a lot of chiropractors, and they, uh, more than any other profession, seem to be interested in learning more of the kind of the tangential stuff, pulling in more things than any other. I mean, uh, you know, I meet an accountant, and they may have some outside interest, but they do accounting. And I meet a, an attorney, they do law, and I meet doctors, and they usually stay in their specialty, but chiropractors tend to, um, Circumambulate. <laughs> they go into other areas. What, what do you think that's
1: about? What do you think pulls that in? What What did it for you? Well, if you think about what's mainstream in the, let's say, in the U.S. at this time, chiropractic's a little outside mainstream. So I think people need to be wired slightly different to step hmm. into the profession to begin with. Uh, the other thing that really motivated me was there's this bell curve of what we get really great success with. And I think that's true for any profession. And so for me, I'm like, okay, the bell curve's awesome, but I would have those people that were on the fringes and I'm like, okay, what do I do for them? Right, and it was my, my drive to help everyone that was coming into my office that I think really led to the tangential pieces coming in, mm. extra techniques, other pieces. You know, Even when we look at, let's say, uh, research on chronic low back pain, Top 10 things that are, you know, indicators or drivers for chronic low back pain, only three are physical. Right. Mm -hmm. So if we're not dealing with the psychosomatic and some of those tangential issues, we're really missing the bullseye on on truly being able to help those people. And so I think it's the fact that um those people in my office that weren't being helped in the way that the the you know the core under the the bell curve were, it was my drive and motivation to be helping them as well that that helped. You know, bring in those other s- subspecialties. It's basically trying to widen the bell curve, make it a much
0: wider place to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 really not based on business or trying to open up other you know other niche markets, but really for that person that you know, I, I remember there were uh, two women in my office at the same time. This was probably in like 2006. Their next looked the exact same on X-ray, same level of fitness, same level of patient compliance same treatment paradigm and one was getting tremendous results and the other wasn't right. And I can still picture her face, her face today. And, and basically that interaction um, got me into adding in a whole second um, technique or paradigm into treating the office, you know, treating people in the office. And I found that the combination of those two techniques were better than the, the one. And, and even within that, at chiropractic school, two thousand you know people going through school at the same time. There were ten people working in the rehab department, basically learning physical therapy, and I was one of those ten. And I didn't you know I didn't really find out till fifteen years later that the research shows you know chiropractic by itself amazing, physical therapy by itself amazing. When you add the two together, all the research, all the positive outcomes are there's a synergy there, right? There's a one plus one equals equals more than two. And so I've loved combining techniques for those, you know, the added benefit of the outcome. Hmm.
0: Okay. And there's
1: um, almost
0: a problem-solving piece to it that that, that enlarges your, your play. I like to use uh, Carol Dweck's model, the growth mindset. You, know, hmm. you can get better at something and, and what you're looking for is where, where does that puzzle have you stuck? And let me figure out that puzzle.
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. And then I think the other thing it's helped me with is I'll meet you know, whether it's a a chiropractor, a medical doctor, a PT, anybody, let's say in the health realm, you'll get people that are so attached to they solve every problem. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it's helped broaden my scope, but it's also helped me get really clear about, is this somebody I'm here to serve? Or is this somebody that somebody else will better help, you know, serve them, whether it's coaching, speaking, you know, in the healthcare realm. And so it's expanded my scope but it's also got me really good at referring out because i've i've you know i've researched so many things i think i've got a good a good grasp on what might be the best thing for each person showing up mm-hmm. and it's not always me so
0: yeah so in in uh, broadening you became much more specific about who you best work with and who best responds even as you're adding in the techniques who's best responding to it yeah to, to yours absolutely not to other methods but to yours yeah absolutely I'm caught by that you talked about this commonality of methods as you were looking into all these other things what What kind of commonalities were you seeing across the, kind of the healing practices
1: Well, this was a big one for me in chiropractic school, so there's kind of this like you know it's almost like looking at the n f l and everybody thinks their team is the best right and for me, I'm like, oh, everybody thinks that their technique is the best, and there's these amazing techniques that you know have however much research, how many years on the planet, who created them. And I was like, well, all of these seem to work. And I'm not attached to following a specific technique. I want the outcomes. And I had to, as a student, basically pay for another 12-hour CE credit course. You know, So I went and put a full weekend in with learning with this other guy. And he narrowed it down to all these techniques work because they're all affecting mechanoreceptors right? And here's how that ties into the brain. Here's how it ties into the neurology. Here's how it ties, in, ties into, you know, recovery from injuries. And so for me, that was the commonality that I'm like, oh, here's why they all work. Now I can let go of kind of the, the buzz around specific techniques and really look for, you know, what do I think is going to best serve these, these patients? And what do I enjoy doing? And what's the, you know, patient population I enjoy working with?
0: So we don't have to go too far beyond that, but counter receptor for anyone who is not in that. What is a counter receptor? Yeah.
1: So a mechanoreceptor is it's that thing in our joints that tell us when they move. Right? It's how we can close our eyes, you know, twist our head around and know which direction we're pointing when we open them. You know, it's um and, and for people out there, I think it's interesting. Like when we hit our thumb with a hammer, everybody knows to shake our hand, you know, and the and the pain will go away that's mechanoreceptors, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a big way that we're positively impacting, um, outcomes.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me that so many times I hear people divide their, their brain, their thought process from their body and, uh, it brings it back in, you know, there, there is this connection point that, um, the nervous system and the the, uh, spinal column and all those other pieces are connected. And I I was reading a story um, in in a magazine about how athletes will sometimes injure something and not realize that the brain just bypasses that. And so it turns off that muscle and they have to kind of go in and figure out how to wake it up because the brain's going, Oh, that's injured. We'll just work around that. Yeah. Uh, And it's interesting how deeply that goes that you in that profession would see on a regular basis of how you're, trying to bring that back in
1: yeah you know and and as we expand it out mental emotional physical we all have those places where an injury happens we shut off that part of our body or our life right and the body's really good at adapting and saying oh you want me to do a B and C I'll do that in the best way that I can regardless of what the you know the situations are and yeah for us you know if we if we ignore those initial injuries those traumas those abuses then years later, we have a lot more to to clean up than if we had just kind of addressed it at the at the time of of impact.
0: Yeah, that's so, interesting. You bring that back to the psychological. That let's say somebody has a horrible romantic relationship, and they go, "Up, oh, not going to do that anymore. Let's bypass that. I'm not going to get that close anymore." Uh-huh. And it doesn't eliminate the desire and the need for that capacity as much as we're just you know figuring a way to wire
1: around it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's true in so many aspects of life
0: or business, right? So, which brings us to the synergy idea. Talk a little bit about synergy, your, your concept of synergy and let's bring it into how people can use some synergy to figure out life.
1: Yeah. You know what? And this, what we're already speaking about is a great intro to this. Something happens in life. It doesn't go the way that we want it. And so we're like, oh, not going there again. And we kind of limit our choices, or maybe we just get stuck in one path and so the synergy of success you know whether you know and i think it's always important for anybody listening to the show there's probably something in their life that it could be going better maybe it's relationship health business it's it's this place in life and it's really easy for us to get either stuck in inaction or stuck in a specific action and kind of stop asking those good questions so the synergy of success it's a framework of clarity courage inspired action and you go through those steps and even more simple is listen and then step right and so for a lot of people if something happens in our life and we go oh i'm not going to do that again like a, a a relationship that doesn't work out well it's not a true answer and we're not completely happy there so we might get into this place of you know basically a lack of clarity of how to move forward or inaction Right, And so what I love about the framework is it requires us to always be asking good questions and taking steps forward. So you know, listen to what I'm needing, take a step forward, which then gives us more more of an outcome, more clarity, more data, and then we get to go back and listen again and keep moving forward. And so it really just brings a, a flow that You know, I feel like there's kind of two different halves of society. Like the U S is a very dynamic driven, you know, Nike just do it society. So we've got a lot of people taking action, but in this framework, it's about inspired action, Mm -hmm. right? And so that inspiration piece is something that we actually care about. It's not about hustle. It's not about drive. It's not about, you know, blindly just, you know, blowing through whatever we're doing. It's about inspired action. But if you've been in action for a long time and haven't, continue to ask good questions and get more clarity, it might be that it's not the right action for you. And then the other half is I think there's people that always are asking those questions. What should I do? Who's the coach? What's the thing? You know, they always keep asking questions, but they're not courageously stepping into action, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think when the three of those work together, it allows us to get ourselves out of corners. We've painted ourselves into it allows, you know, Relationships to kind of evolve and transition and grow. Uh, it allows you know business things to move forward. It allows us to make different decisions about health. I just find that it applies to a lot of places and in, in people's different aspects of their lives. Yeah. So this is a, to kind of circle back that these. Arenas of
0: life, wherever they are, you know, whatever, relationship uh-huh. or financial or job or whatever other category we we pick, um, I think you're right that, that we all can go, oh, yeah, I like that a little bit different than where it is. And, and what you pointed out is two ways that people react. One is inaction and the other is some specific action, which may be just kind of the, you know, click into the groove. You just habitually go back to that same coping mechanism, which by the way, I would say inaction is just a coping mechanism too. Yeah. So coping mechanism or coping mechanism, rather than seeing if there's another way of doing that. Um, I've talked to people, um, you know, in both camps that, you know, it's kind of like um, the inaction people are the ones who go ready, aim, 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 uh-huh. aim. And then you got the other group who go, ready fire, ready, fire, ready fire. Maybe I ought to aim. <laughs> yeah. And and there's there's that place where it's not a ready aim fire that they have figured out. So let's go. You put in these three steps: clarity, courage, and inspired action. Yeah. Can we go through them just one at a time about how you can begin to actualize that?
1: Yeah. And so when people are picturing this, let's picture it like a figure eight. You know, clarity then requires courage to step in into inspired action. And then when we're in that action, it again requires courage to go back and seek more clarity. All right. I think we can get stuck on either side of that, that figure eight around courage. And so for that first step for clarity, for most people, life is very full. And I think one of the important things around clarity is actually just allowing some, some white space. Right. Like I'm a big fan of a morning practice, you know, waking up, whether it's journaling or meditating or praying or drinking a hot drink, you know, a hot drink in the morning as you sit in a chair and watch the sunrise, like allowing some space and time for things to show up. And, and even if we go a to step further, you know, what showed up in my dreams. You know, we know the theory of relativity came to Albert Einstein in a dream, the chemical structure for benzene showed up in a dream, the design for the sewing machine showed up in a dream and not all dreams have to mean something. And if we wake up, see where we're at, you know, pay attention to any dreams, do some journaling, just allow for some time for reflection. I think we start building clarity. And another thing that I think is really important that we can get overwhelmed with is always having something going on during the day. At a certain point, I was, I was driving my vehicle into the office, and I had realized, wow, I wake up, I put music on, it's in the house all morning as I'm ready. I'm listening to something the whole drive to work. There's something on the whole day. Like every single ounce of my day was weighed down by some type of noise, and I literally started actively turning off the stereo in my truck. And five minutes later, the stereo would be back on, and I didn't remember turning it on. And I'm like, wow, that's that's actually... An addiction behavior, right? I'm so unconscious. I don't even realize that I have to have that thing on because I can't allow white space for my brain to, you know, to track the other things that are going on. So I consciously open up space in my day for thoughts to process for, for me to get clear about how my body felt and how my mind felt. And so I think for clarity, if people will find some space for the clarity to show up, that's already wanting to be there. You know, adding just a little bit of consciousness about that. Most of us know what the answer is. We're just you know, not allowing space for it to, you know, to tap us on the shoulder, to whisper in our ear.
0: So We've already brought Jung in there, so another Jung piece. Jung um, wrote about the fact that he had a, a, a rich guy who was coming to him for, you know, he's miserable. And so Jung said, okay, here's your homework. You go home and you go to your, your study and you sit there by yourself for two hours in the evening. And he came back the next week and Jung said, well, how'd that go? He said, oh, the first part was her- terrible. And so after about 30 minutes, you know, I, I turned on the, the, um, the phonograph and listened to some classical music. And that helped a lot. And I pulled out a book and I started reading. And then I did some correspondence. And Jung said, no, I said to sit quietly by yourself. And the guy was perplexed. So he came back the next week and he said, well, how was it? He said, well, that was miserable. And Jung said, "What well, was miserable about it?" He said, I, "It was horrible to sit back with myself and sit with my thoughts and and all of that." And Jung said, "And yet you you subject everybody else to that every day, all day." <laughs> so yeah. your your point is that we often do fill that so that we don't have to be in touch with some of those tough places and and struggle through. And so uh, the clarity point there is to allow not to not to run away from the thoughts, but to allow them some space to create clarity.
1: Yeah. To allow space for it. Absolutely. And, and, and I think it can be passive, like, yeah, sitting in a room quietly for two hours is going to probably serve all of us. You know, some people like to journal so they can Mm. move through it, you Mm -hmm. know, what, whatever it is, just allowing, allowing space and time for that to come through Mm. and and Um, then acknowledging it. Cause it's, it's really easy. You know, you meet people that they've been getting the same message about their health or their relationship for a decade and they just keep, you know, pushing it under. Yeah. So the messages, wake up calls that we tend to, you know, hit
0: the snooze on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So clarity, it comes from creating the space and allow and, and looking for that clarity. I mean, it's not just blindly there, but your, your point is that you do active, passively active things, you know, when you're journaling or when you're just meditating, things like that, you're Uh, waiting, allowing that you're being open to the possibility of clarity coming to you, looking at your dreams, open to it.
1: Yeah. And and I think it's really important. You know, even when we look at mental health, I had seen a research study like 20 years ago where Prozac outperformed, excuse me, where a 30 minute walk in nature outperformed Mm -hmm. Prozac for a lot of the things that they were, that they were gauging in that study. And so a lot of the homework I give in my chiropractic office, it's, it's holistic. It's whole life-based. And that 30-minute walk in nature I give to most people, and I'm really clear about, you don't have an earbud in with the podcast on, even as much as I love podcasts. You'd, you're not talking with somebody on the phone. And even you know, leaving out a spouse or a pet, just you, just in nature, even if it's just around the city block and it doesn't feel like there's much nature there, just, yeah, free of distraction, allowing some place for your mind to, to return to being free range. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of more
0: doctors who are actually giving people the prescription of going in nature and mm-hmm. spending some time there. There's the, the nature prescription.
1: Yes, which I love. So tell, let's go, we'll just follow it on around. On around. So the
0: next stop is
1: courage. Yeah. What, so, yeah, so courage, courage is an interesting thing because, you know, a lot of times when you ask somebody, they've known for a decade that what they're doing is not working right and they just have not summoned enough courage to step into that next thing you know and so i think courage is important to look at how can you start building and i think with clarity courage and inspired action they're all like a muscle and mm-hmm. when we do those things to strengthen them pretty soon we're able to do more tomorrow than we were yesterday right and so for courage i think one of the things is you know starting to get small victories right so let's say somebody's thinking about going back to school well signing up for school and applying for student loans might be a really big step, but a really easy step might be just starting to have that conversation with friends and getting online to see what schools you're interested in and actually explore what the student loan process might look like. Right. And those are some small steps that create some victories so that you can start moving forward. So I think that's one of the ways to start kind of tipping that courage scale by doing the small things so you can step into the bigger things. Um, I also like, you know, who are the five people that we surround ourselves with? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're surrounded by people that are, they're vibrant and they're moving forward and whatever area it is that you're hoping to, you know, to really improve and grow in, you're probably going to be brought forward. You're going to, you know, you're going to synergize with what they're doing and that's going to help support you. Um, I think we can also make it more direct. And I hear a lot of people talking about, Oh, like, you know, I'm seeing all these things on Facebook and it makes me feel horrible right? There's that real shadow aspect of comparison when we look at things outside of ourselves. And if we can, if we can turn that into the idea of modeling, you know, if there's somebody that lives down the street and they've got, you know, it seems like the kids are happy and healthy. It seems like a good relationship. And it seems like they're doing, you know, doing well, let's say financially, you might start modeling like, Oh, what, what's this person doing? How are they living into this, this, you know, life of thriving that I'm really interested in and experiencing. And so you can start modeling things after them. I think a step beyond that is you can start mentoring with somebody, right? So somebody's doing what you're doing in a way you'd like to be doing it. And most people, if you ask them for help or support or, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? Most people really love to give support to others that are interested in what they're interested in, you know, interested in. So I think a a mentorship is really powerful. And then the last piece that I think is great is coaching right? Who's that person that knows what you don't know. And there you can go directly to them for the purpose of raising yourself up. So I like letting go of comparison, stepping, stepping into modeling, mentoring, and or coaching where applicable and start building, you know, those small steps of courage that can allow for the bigger things to happen. Uh, And the last thing I would share about that, it's, it's really easy to look at somebody where they're at present day and wonder how we could ever do what they're doing. And the reality is for anybody out there, you know, it was so many micro steps of courage and momentum and movement. And we're seeing like an end product usually mm-hmm. of years and decades of, of, of those small steps. So we don't have to be there tomorrow, but we can start on our own path today. Yeah. 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 Uh, and which is, uh, that is
0: that world that we live in of comparison. You know, you, you see somebody who's down the road and yeah. you go, oh my gosh, it, it, it's not just that they walked that road, but they suddenly you know, somehow had a you know, on-ramp. <laughs> yeah. And that's the comparison point. I'll never be to that place rather than seeing, well, they were somewhere before that. that, that took a lot of work to, to walk that same path. What I like about that word courage is it's not waiting to have no fears about doing this. Yeah. It's still stepping in.
1: Yeah. You know, and if we go back to clarity, because sometimes people be like, oh, I'm super courageous. I don't, I just don't have clarity. Right. And for, for all of these things, it's a, it's a best approximation. Right. So clarity isn't a noun. It isn't a place. It isn't like Omaha, Nebraska, and we just have to drive there. That's probably halfway between where you and I actually live, you know, possibly. So it's not about driving to Omaha, Nebraska. Clarity is a verb. It's an action. You know what's what's that step today that I can take? I may not know a hundred steps down the road, but what's the one step I need today and and even when we take the wrong step, it gives us clarity you know they they talk about you know the number of times a ship is off course and and going across the sea to a destination. They're very rarely actually headed at the right place. They're always correcting left or right and continuously moving forward and I think if if people can let go of per- Actionism, you know, get enough clarity to take a step and know that more clarity will come based on that. But it, it requires that courage of actually putting your foot on the gas and 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 driving either out of uh, Louisville or or Seattle. So, yeah,
0: and that's interesting, you talk about clarity and people do see that as an endpoint, yeah. and you're you're saying that that's a process. Even getting clarity is a process, and. Probably ever evolving. Um, as I talk with people, no matter where they are in their career, you know, it, it's interesting. They go, "Well, this is where I now see myself going." You know, it's 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 not a permanent state. Yeah, there can be changes along the way. Yeah, f- as your proof of.
1: Yeah, and five and ten year plans are amazing, right? I, I do believe in those. I believe in smart goals. I also believe in dream boards, and I also believe that, you know there's a small step that all of us can take today. And, and again, kind of mirroring back to the listeners, like, as I'm talking about clarity, there's probably a a place in their life where like, Oh my gosh, this is my place. This is my thing. And, and hopefully for all of them, they think about like, what would that one courageous, you know, micro action be that you could do today to just start getting things in motion. So where does that shift to inspired action? Yeah. So again, I think, I think, uh, Americans in general tend to do a lot of action, a lot of hustle, a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. We're not slowing down very much. We always grind always it out, hustling, grind it out, and we're yeah. always hustling onto that next thing. Possibly because we don't want to allow any space for clarity, right? I think it can it can be part of that addiction piece. So the piece with inspired action is it's about making it sustainable as well. Right. We all know those people like, oh, I'm going to do this thing. And for a week or a couple weeks or even a month, they just kill themselves and then they burn out and they don't do anything for the next 11 months. Yeah. Right. And so I think it's about, you know, what are the steps that you can do? How can you have it be sustainable? You know, And, and I know for me, you know, fitness and diet are very important to me because if I don't do those, I can't sustain the level of work that I want to produce. I can't show up for my patients, my audiences, my clients. I can't show up in relationship and friendship. You know, so I do that as a, a foundation to keep me in inspired action. You know, I also meditate to keep my headspace where it needs to be. Um, I have very big goals and I also, you know, focus those in so that I can do the thing today that doesn't make me feel like I need to pull an all-nighter. Hmm you know? So I think inspired action is about getting really clear about what are the things that I want to do and how can I have them be sustainable moving forward? You know, whether it's, you know, somebody that starts trying to work at home and they don't set up their ergonomics and then <laughs> they can't get any work done because they have low back or neck pain or, you know, they, they're not taking times for proper meals. So then they eat horrible foods. So then they have to crash and take a nap during the afternoon. Um, just, you know, or they're so devoted to one thing that, you know, to one plant in their life that all the other plants kind of wither, mm-hmm. you know? So I like, I like having a very holistic approach about the things that are important in my life and making sure that a week, a month, a year from now, that all those things are still well-proportioned.
0: You know, the watch people are the same thing. The uh, It's kind of the on-fire action people. You know, they, they make a plan January 1st, I'm going to get in shape and they, you know, they go kill themselves. Yeah. And that lasts, you know, a week and a half, two weeks, and they're too sore to move, probably have strained something, probably need to start, see the chiropractor to get that to where they need to be. And they give up because obviously they're not built for that or some other. And then the people who do like just action, you know, going anywhere. But the word inspired, you know, I love the inspired meaning to take the spirit in, insp- inspiration to take the spirit in mm-hmm. uh, is a different thing. Um, that's looking for something that's from a a bigger place, a deeper place.
1: Yeah. And if we look at like sustained discipline, I, uh, yeah, I was talking to a a father who was sick last week and he was just talking about how beat down he was. And I also got to chance to chat with a mother that was sick last week. And I think mothers are really good at this, right? They're so inspired typically to take care of their children that even when they're sick, they keep moving forward. Hmm right? Because they're so dedicated to the cause of raising those kids. And I, you know, so I really, you know, just applaud them. And I always look to that. And I think we need a version of that in our own lives. If we're simply taking actions, if we're simply going to a job, if we're simply like putting in time in a relationship, if we're simply doing something, but we're not inspired, it makes it really easy to to be inconsistent, to fall away from it, to not stay with it. And I think when we get really clear about what we're passionate about, what we love or who we love you know then it brings in that extra piece that'll help us put in those extra hours that will you know help us keep going when you make those hundred sales calls and you don't get the three sales that statistics tell you you should have in your industry or whatever it is. so you know if it's inspired, we'll stick with it and we'll keep going because it means more to us than just the action mm-hmm. you know and, and and you talk about people like, oh I've never." You know, I've never worked a day in my life. Those people are inspired. You know, those people that can be up all night when their children are are sick and having nightmares. You know, they're inspired. That keeps it in them, keeps them in it. And and for those people that you know, make sure that they keep their relationship vibrant. You know, so they can have those difficult conversations. So they can be you know, the good and the bad times. So I, I just I think it's really important, and I think it if everybody was doing a little bit more of what they were inspired about it just changes the the vibrancy and vibration of of everyone
0: yeah my my uh, observation of people who are doing inspired stuff is that they put up with the the struggle that they'll push through it uh, they'll face the struggle which is big um, and it doesn't feel the same kind of struggle it doesn't feel like you're just you know beating the water or, or trying to swim upstream you're you're if you swim downstream, unless you're just floating along, you're still paddling and still doing the work. You're just making better progress because you're, you've got something behind it. You've got a bigger something there.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, especially I definitely delve into the spiritual arenas, arenas as well. And, you know, there's this myth of ease and grace and everything, Yeah. you know, but there's the other side of that, that somebody like Brendan Burchard would say, you know, when opportunity knocks and you open the door, you know, work is who shows up, Mm -hmm. right? So I think if, uh, you know, for people listening, like, oh, how do I find my passion? Part of it comes through clarity. We, when we slow down and, and let go of comparison and let go of shoulds and let go of, you know, these external influences, most, most of us know what we love and can probably bring more aspects of that into what we're doing. I was, I was speaking to a group of, uh, of lawyers a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, let's say there's an accountant in the office doing that work. They may not love accounting 100%. I think most accountants should love numbers and should love how that's built out. But somebody, let's say it's a small part of their overall job. If they, maybe they love service right? Like I love supporting the team or I love supporting other people. Well, a lot of things that we wouldn't necessarily like to do might be feeding that part of us that likes to be of service or to be part of the team. And then instead of focusing on the piece that isn't working, be like, Oh my gosh, like if I didn't do this piece, those people would suffer. The team Mm -hmm. would suffer. Right. So finding, you know, passion doesn't always look like, well, I I want to be fly fishing for a living. You know, it, it, It may not look like that thing you do on the weekends, you know, 30 weekends a year, but it may be that you can find something you're passionate about and see how that actually could be melded with gifts and talents that you have in the, in the workforce. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, I so often hear people talk about if it was meant to be, you know, it shouldn't be this hard. Yeah. Which I, I find to be an interesting myth. You know, there are those who are like, I'll make it meant to be, you know, I'm going to grind this out and no matter what, I'm going to succeed. And, and sometimes I'm like, yeah, that grind seems like it's misery, really. But then there are those who are like, yeah, this it shouldn't be that tough. And my, a lot of my work is with people in relationships. You know, I hear, well, relationships shouldn't be that hard. And I'm like, where did you hear that? I mean, where else does that work? If I go, you know what, I want to get stronger. Um, yeah. Do I do that by not ever lifting anything heavy or do I take on some challenges to build that up. And, uh, at, but the difference I think that you're pointing to is the fact that when it's something that's important, you're willing to, you know, if it's parenting, you're willing to go through it because that's where you find it important. I, you know, the, the, um, this research shows that, uh, parents of young children are at their unhappiest state With their deepest level of meaning, you know, at the same time they are, Mm. because personally they're not sleeping, (laughs) they no longer can manage their stuff as easily, they've got to make all the concessions and yet their sense of meaning is at an all-time high. You know, that's, it's Mm. interesting that it's not the happiness thing at that moment. They're going with the meaning, what's my purpose here? What's my meaning piece over what, what makes me
1: happy? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and we need to care about something enough to, you know, to go beyond the honeymoon phase and relationship, to go beyond the puppy phase and pet Mm -hmm. ownership, you know, to go beyond the like, oh, I just got my new logo for my new business or. that I I haven't launched yet, but look at the logo. (laughs) (laughs) I got the logo
0: for it and the business cards.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And the website got all the stuff and I made a single sales call or even, yeah, figured out my clients. Yeah. So, and I think, I think when we care about something enough, then we'll put in that time. And, you know, I I think a lot of us are hoping for that, you know, the car of the future where we just, you know, we get it started and we climb in the back and, you know, multitask or do whatever we're going to do with all those, you know, all the cars that are driving themselves. But Mm -hmm. the reality is we still got to keep, you know, adjusting the gas, the brake, turning that wheel left and right. Like relationships don't go on autopilot businesses don't go on autopilot our health does not go on autopilot and certainly our happiness doesn't either and i think i think if we can just you know be more active keep making those micro adjustments and those steps forward that seem like they're the best direction for us and those around us that we care for our outcomes can only get better
0: so morgan with that said how can people learn more about you and what you do what would be the best place to link up with you
1: Yeah. So I want to start by, you know, one of my big things is really around empowerment. Like I said, that's the chiropractic piece, the coaching piece, the speaking piece. So when people go to my website, know that there's a couple things there that can help empower them. And the website is drmorganoaks.com. And I've got a a 45 minute training video that even people who have paid me thousands of dollars for coaching, love this video so much that they still keep bringing it up in our sessions together. So I think there's a lot of value there. It's the six keys to living your top life. And then I'm also doing, you know, half hour phone calls with people to, you know, how can I empower you? You know, where might you be experiencing a synergy block in your life? Can we kind of bust that loose? And some people call me and I refer them to a YouTube video and a, and a book they can get on Amazon Prime and I never talk to them again. And it feels like a fulfilling, you know, situation because I know that their life's going to improve and other people want a little bit more than that. So that's, that's a good place to go and, and hopefully be empowered. So for any
0: dyslexics who are listening who need a little more help with that uh, website, DR, the letters DR, so yes. Dr. D-R Morgan, uh-huh. M-O-R-G-A-N, Oaks, O-A-K-S. So com. but the doctor is D-R. So just to yes. clarify that, if you're going, how do I spell D-R? <laughs> there we go. The D and the R, that would be enough. So go there uh, and grab those materials at whatever level. I mean, uh, you know, if you're just kind of going, I want to see what Morgan's doing. Go there. If you need more help, um, you've got that half hour uh, phone call that you can set up and, and see if you, it makes sense for you. But uh, do reach out and uh, figure out more about how to live this better life for yourself. Morgan, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, thank you so much for that clarity as you're going through so that people can make more inspired action in their lives.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Lee. Great to be here and uh, what an honor. Thank you.